my privilege to uh, just introduce to you a good friend, OMF missionary, Tony and Pat Schmitz. They have joined OMF for 40 years. Can you imagine 40 years ago, they joined OMF from South Africa. And they spent 33 years in Japan and 7 years in Canada, Vancouver, as the regional director for the Pacific region. So they've <clears throat> been faithfully serving the Lord for all these years. I just want to mention that our church has been privileged in partially supporting them for the last few years. The, the donation that you put into the missions fund, some of that has gone to support people like Tony and Pat. So we're pleased to have them to come and share with us this morning. And I uh, just want to mention that uh, they're now the families, they had a Christmas time all together, the whole families together in Canada. They have three sons and six children, uh, grandchildren, that there is, and more to come. So uh, I want to welcome, first of all, uh, Grandma Pat. I believe she's going to share a few words before Tony brings the message this, uh, this morning. So let's welcome both Pat and Tony. Thank you. Good morning. Um, well, my husband's going to be speaking about um, keeping our focus right, and so we thought it might be quite good to share something that the Lord has taught us um, while we've been in Japan these years to really help us keep our focus right. And this came to me one day reading a, a novel by a Japanese novelist, a famous novelist, Miura Ayako. I don't know if you've heard of her. But she's actually been used to bring more people to want to know Jesus Christ than probably any other single Japanese. And in her book, she wrote an historical novel about a lady called Lady Gracia. It was at the time of the shoguns. And this, it was just, you know, Christianity came to Japan in the 1500s. And um, it was just beginning to really pick up. And many of the shoguns were believing. And so the, the pressure on the Christians was increasing. And persecution was really beginning to be rather terrible. But for all that, this lady, Gracia, had a maid who was a Christian. And she looked at that maid and thought, I want what she's got. And so even though she had to risk her life, she went one night to the priest, because, you know, the first Christians who came to bring the message of the gospel in Japan were the Catholics. And so she went to a priest, and she said to him, What does a Christian do? How do I become a Christian? How does a Christian live? Now, if someone asked you that question, how would you answer? You know, we, I know what we would mostly answer, and many of us would just be so happy if anybody even asked us that question. But this priest's answer really struck me, because he said, A Christian is one who prays, Not my will, but yours be done, Father. And I thought, wow, that's really deep, because, you know, anybody can pray, God help me, God help me. But only a Christian who really believes can look at his father, and say, not my will, but your will be done. And you know, I got to see that that is the bottom line of a good focus in life. You know when you go and have your eyes tested, and you do quite well until you get right to the bottom and you can do it without glasses? Well, to be able to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, that's the bottom line. And that's really helped me, because just to translate it into everyday language, I've been able to say, Lord, you make the choices. 
It's not always easy because we, you know, I'm quite a strong-willed person <laughs> and I've always felt, I know what makes me happy. The first thing I said was, it's not going to make me happy going to Japan. That was what I started off and I really didn't want to say yes. But by God's grace, he's taught me that every time I've said, Lord, you make a choice. And I've got peace in my heart and been able to take some of the things that he's chosen. And on looking back, they've all been better. And I would never have chosen them myself. And so to keep a right focus in life, for me and for Tony, and I'm sure for all of us, is to be able to really say from our heart, I won't choose, you choose. Not my will, but yours be done. And of course that's what Jesus said, isn't it? Well, good morning everybody and a happy new year to you. Thank you. Um, as Philip mentioned, we've been working in Japan and this year, at the end of uh, June, we came back to Vancouver and have now retired from Japan but not retired from serving the Lord. We still want to continue uh, serving the Lord here in Vancouver where two of our children are and uh, we have been uh, recently appointed to be associate pastors of the uh, Vancouver Japanese Gospel Church in um, New Westminster. But I want to thank you for the uh, privilege that you've given us to come and share with you and also to thank you for your prayers and support of us over the years. It's been a long time since you've been here. Maybe most of you don't know us. I recognize a few faces in the uh, congregation this morning. But we thank you for your support uh, of us. Uh, I just like to start with the, um, a short clip of the tsunami that came into Japan because that occurred just at the time that we were preparing to come back to Canada. So we'll just look at this for uh, four minutes, I think it is. <laughs>
uh, pictures were taken one week after the earthquake and the tsunami came in to Japan. But every time I see that, my spirit is moved within me because many of those people had never ever heard of Jesus Christ. As you saw, the one uh, city of about 15 to 16,000 people doesn't even have a church. And so to the average person who grows up in that city, a Christianity or Jesus Christ is, doesn't mean much. Nobody has really come to tell them that there is a God and that we need His help. We need to be saved from our sins by accepting Christ as Savior. They've never heard that message. And so for most of those people, they live their lives taking money to buy a house, to have a car, to have a job be financially independent and to be secure in themselves. But in an instant, as the tsunami came in, and it just exceeded all expectations, because even although right from the coastline of Japan, there were walls, sea walls built of nine meters high, some places even higher, people thought they were safe. But in some places, the tsunami came in over a hundred uh, feet high. 33 meters high. And so those, those walls were as nothing to the people. So in an instant, uh, people who had set their focus on life, on material things, everything was taken away and they had nothing. Even families. Uh, one man said to missionaries to help to clean up his house, he said, why do you want to clean my house? I don't want to live here. There's no reason for me to live. My family has gone, I'm by myself, I just want to die. And so we've heard even since we've come back that the suicide rate, which was always very high in Japan, every year over 33,000 people commit suicide, men and women. And this year it's gone much, much higher because people have no hope. What they treasured, the material things, have been taken away and there's nothing left for them. And so the challenge, I think, as we come to God this morning, as we meet with Him, as we set out on a new year together, let's make it our resolution. As Paul urges us here in verse 18, he says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So, to determine our main focus for living is not to collect material things. It's not to focus on the things that we see, the things that we need for this life alone. Paul says, make it your focus to set your eyes on Jesus, on the things, the spiritual things, the things of God. Of course we need material things. Uh, but those material things are only of use for this life only. They are of no use for us in eternity. So it would be a foolish person who set his or her main focus on collecting material things and more and more and more material things and not putting a priority on spiritual things. Paul says, Set your eyes on the things, not on what is seen, but the things that are unseen. 
The things that are seen, of course, are material objects and, as I say, things that are necessary, but that which is vitally necessary is that which is unseen, our relationship with God, our daily walk with God, to walk with Him, to honor Him, and to glorify Him in our lives as Christians. This is our focus, and so we must determine it's, a, it's, a, it's an attitude of our minds, of our hearts to say, this will be my focus. You know, the, we are surrounded by uh, adverts and commercials and so on that say, no, no, if you get a nice car, if you have nice clothes, if you spend money on this or that, uh, improve yourself, your outward appearance, then you'll be happy, then you'll really be enjoying life. We are bombarded the whole time to focus on material things. And the Bible says, no, not that way. Focus on that which is unseen, the things of God. Those are the things that are really important. And if we're not careful as Christians, we believe in Jesus, we receive Him as Lord and Savior, we come to church, but our main focus is on making myself happy, making myself or my family secure, trying to get security through my own efforts. And if we're not careful, our whole life can slip onto the material focus rather than onto the spiritual focus. So Paul encourages us here and he says that the things that are seen are temporary. John Elliot, who was a, a missionary to the Orca tribe in South America, I think it was uh, Ecuador, he said, He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he can never lose. I'll say that again because it's really important. He said that he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep. It's only temporary in order to gain that which he can never lose. And this is what God calls us to. This is what the Lord is saying to us through this uh, verse here today. To fix our eyes. It's not just a one-time thing. It's daily, every day. To fix your eyes on Jesus. To fix your eyes on the things that he says are important for us. Hudson Taylor, who was uh, the founder of the OMF, Old China Inland Mission, in mainland China, uh, he went through many, many hardships. But, you know, he learned one good lesson, and it ties in with us focusing our lives on spiritual things. He said, The Lord Jesus received His holiness begun. That when we receive Jesus as Savior, we receive the righteousness of Jesus Himself. And that's why, as children of God, we can stand before God, we can come boldly into His presence, because He has made us righteous through faith in Him. So Hudson Taylor said, this was a great uh, strength and a peace that came to him as he thought about this. But then he went on and he said, the Lord Jesus cherished His holiness advancing. And so what he means by this now is that you receive Jesus Christ and then to love the Lord and to love the things of God and to seek to please Him. That to cherish the Lord 
is holiness advancing. He has made us holy. He has made us righteous through our faith in Jesus Christ. But then as Christians, to live our lives as servants, as his children, this is to cherish him, to count him as valuable to the words that he says, the things that he's written in his book, the Bible, to us. To take that and to apply that into our lives is holiness advancing. And then the third aspect that came to Hudson Taylor, he said, the Lord Jesus counted as never absent would be holiness complete. And this is the thing that really challenged him because all the time that he was in China, for a long time at least anyway, Hudson Taylor, and like us too, we want to be more pleasing to God, strive to please God. And he came across this, these three thoughts of holiness. To believe that God is always present with us in our daily lives, wherever we go. And that means not only at church, but in our homes, our places of work, at university, at college, wherever it might be. He is always present with us. And to believe that, and to practice that in our lives, that daily, if we do that, our focus gets put onto the right things of God. We will have a spiritual focus. And so this year, as we start off this new year, going into the unknown, we have a God who goes with us. The Lord is with us. And He wants to live His life through us. And He wants to use us. But if our minds are focused mainly on material things, on the seen things, we cannot please Him. We cannot live lives fully to honor Him and to glorify Him. And so this is a challenge that comes to us here today, I believe, and what I want to bring to you this morning. We need to be alert that there is a spiritual battle that is taking place. It's difficult to keep on focusing on the things that are unseen. The world will say to you, if you cannot see it, it's not there. You know? The unseen things is, a, is an element of doubt about that. You cannot prove it. The seen things, you can hold them, you can, you can do whatever you want with them, you can feel them. But the unseen things, maybe it's just your imagination. But God says, these are the things that are important for you and for me. These are the things that He wants us to focus on. So I don't know how that will apply to your life, even my own life. It's time for us to refocus and say, Lord, the way I'm living my life, the things that I'm striving for, yes, I want to be happy, I want to be successful, but I have responsibilities, but Lord, help me to keep a right focus of seeking that which is unseen, of seeking a right relationship, and not only just a right relationship, but of allowing you to use me in any way you want to, each day. Set your eyes on the things that are unseen, each day, and allow God to use you and to bless you. While we're in Japan, Pat and I were mostly working in uh, starting churches, church planting. Uh, it's something that we just love to do. And if you had that experience, it would just be so amazing. I never thought that just sitting in a room at the start of a church with one lady, and my wife as well there, two ladies, 
studying the Bible and that I'd be so happy. I remember one time in the city of Sapporo, about the same size as Vancouver, sitting there and the snow started coming down and the sun was also shining through the snow and I looked out the window and this lady and Pat and I were studying the book of John and I just felt my heart overflowing with joy. And I thought, you know, if anybody had ever said to me, you'll be so happy teaching one person the Bible, the Gospel of John, I would have said, yeah, well, one person, I would wish there would be a hundred people, then I think I'd really be happy, but one lady, just one person, I don't think I'd be so happy doing that. I feel I want to serve the Lord in greater ways in my life, not just in such a small way. But my heart just was bursting with joy, and I realized it was God giving the joy as we focus on pleasing Him, of walking with Him, and doing the things that He wants us to do. Well, I want to tell you just briefly a story of Masayuki. He was a guy, uh, 21 years old, and he didn't come to church. His father came to church. His father had a nervous breakdown and was in process of recovery. He had a son, Masayuki, and a daughter, and his wife, of course, but none of them came to church except the father. Masayuki was a third-year university student, and one day he came to his dad and he said, Dad, I want to go to Tokyo to play in a guitar band. Uh, Would you please uh, support me financially for one year? Uh, Relationships in the family were not good. Actually, Masayuki and his sister were not even talking to his parents at that time. There was just really a strain in the, in the family. But Masayuki's dad wisely said to him, he said, I'll support you for one year to go to Tokyo, not just to play guitar, but to get a job and you can play the guitar and join a band, provided that you come to church and to one of the um, uh, home meetings. I'm thinking the Japanese word, kateshukai, one of the home meetings. And so uh, he said, okay, three months hard labor to get a year's financial support. That sounds like a good bargain. So Masayuki started to come along to church. And he sat there. He wasn't very happy in the church. But the younger people, especially in the church, became friendly towards him. And he joined the uh, weekly fellowship in in the home meetings. And he began to relax more and more. And as he opened himself to the word of God, the Holy Spirit worked in his life. And through the love of the Christians together, Masayuki found his heart changing. He began to seek the unseen things, the spiritual things. He began to seek God. And just to cut a long story short, Masayuki believed. And then he said, I think I will stay here longer. I don't want to go to Tokyo to play in the guitar band at this point. I want to continue at church. He stayed and he was baptized. But as I say, there is a spiritual battle that keeps on coming the whole time. Round about Christmas time, Masayuki had a terrific argument with his father. I suppose when a guy gets you know, 21, 22, clashes between son and father become more frequent, maybe between daughter and mother become more frequent, I'm not sure. But anyway, Masayuki had a big fight with his father, argument. He went home, packed his bags, and he disappeared. Nobody knew where he had gone to. We were working up in Hokkaido, which is the northern island of Japan. 
It's just north of uh, North Korea, opposite the Russian uh, port of Vladivostok. And Sapporo is east of that on the island. Masayuki hopped on a plane, went down to Tokyo, transferred to another plane going to Okinawa, got down to Naha in Okinawa, then got onto a little ship and he sailed off to one of the Japanese islands that are quite close to Taiwan. And he got off there and he needed money, he needed a job, so he went to the local baker and he said to him, uh, can you give me a job? I'll do anything. I'm not experienced in baking bread or making buns, but I'm willing to learn. I'll be happy to deliver. And so the baker said to him, Masayuki, I'll give you a job on one condition, that you do Bible study with me. <laughs> you know? When you think of it, that less than half of 1% of the population of Japanese people are Christian. And even maybe half of that are evangelical, earnest Christians. Some people just come to church and that's it. But the earnest Christians are probably one quarter of one percent. That means one out of every 400 people would be a Christian. An evangelical, earnest Christian. And yeah, Masayuki comes to the, the baker and the baker says, I'll give you a job as long as you do, do Bible study with me because I'm a Christian. I thought how amazing it is that God, our unseen God, is working in unseen ways. But now and again, he opens the curtain and he gives us a glimpse of what he is doing. You know, in Psalm 139, I'll just read this to you quickly. It says these words, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness 